Sports are such a big part of all of our lives. From the big plays to the unforgettable games, they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors, and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Life Beyond the Game. Really special guest today. Uh, Really amazing dude. And I'm super grateful for this guy because he has been on this journey with me. He was one of the founding members of the Heart Collective when I first launched in November. And I'm super grateful that he's been on this journey with me. I don't know if I'd be where I'm at without him. Uh, He's really bought in and he's added so much value to the community um, in our conversation today. Uh, it's really beautiful that we got a chance to drop in uh, just a few days after our first retreat. I'm not sure when this episode's going live, but it was the first weekend of June. Um, you know, we basically have had the community going for over over six months and finally got together in person to do our first uh, live retreat, uh, which really blew my expectations out of the water. Uh, there were seven of us total and just all former pro athletes. And it was just absolutely an incredible experience. Uh, Shane shares his experience in this episode. And he also, you know, talks about his own journey, um, you know, playing professional uh, football with the uh, Seahawks, uh, a career ending injury, uh, let him out on this journey. And we talk about the, the challenges that we face as athletes going through a transition. Um, he talks about his own journey with alcohol, which I think is a very um, resonant at, uh, in my life. And I know a lot of people, uh, struggle with that. Um, he's been sober for six years now and just his journey with making that decision. Why? Um, and we also, you know, dive into the community, the heart collective, uh, why he decided to join the intention behind it, the impact that it's had on his life. Um, you know, it's had a huge impact on my life and everybody that's joined. And I'm really excited to, you know, be able to, to, to talk about, um, the impact, uh, from someone within the community and share that publicly so that, you know, if there's anybody out there, uh, that's a former athlete, that's really looking for community, looking for support of like-minded guys, um, you know, feeling safe to really express how you feel. And, you know, if you're on a journey of really trying to discover the deeper parts of who you are, um, after listening to this episode, I I have no doubt that you're going to be interested in what we're building at the heart collective. Um, if it's something you are interested in, we talk about it in this episode, but you can go to theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. Um, there's more information on the website and we are continuing to build out uh, more retreat experiences. The next one's coming up uh, first weekend of September. It's a whitewater rafting trip, four days, three nights uh, down the Yampa River through the gates of Lador. It's going to be absolutely magical, limited availability. Um, talking about it early so that um, if you're interested, reach out to me directly, or there's uh, more information on the website, go check it out. And if you aren't an athlete and you still want to connect and learn and grow, um, really excited about the heart collective, uh, new masterclass series. We're bringing on thought leaders, experts, coaches in a wide variety of different fields. Um, and we're constantly having 
uh, new people come and share their wisdom, their knowledge, their medicine through this webinar series. Um, and that's available to both athletes and non-athletes alike. So if you want to follow along and get um, some behind the scenes information uh, of what we're kind of working on through the Heart Collective, uh, you can register for those uh, on the website. Go check it out. Go join our mailing list so that you don't miss out on all the amazing content we're creating. Bunch of retreats. Um, going to try to end up trying to do six a year. So every other month, there'll be a bunch of different experiential retreats, uh, ability to connect, opportunity to just do so many cool things um, all through the Heart Collective. So if it's something, something you're interested in, make sure you check it out. Um, also want to talk about, before we get started, my wife's new company, growmotely.com. Going to give her a little plug. There's a link in the description. If you are a small to medium sized business, even, you know, kind of, you know, doing your own thing. If you're a coach and you're trying to build a team out and you're doing all this work yourself and you, you just, you're just kind of getting bogged down by how much it takes. I think one of the biggest things for me as an entrepreneur was building out a team to help support me in my vision. If this is something that you are uh, looking to um, grow a team around you to help support you in your vision, um, there's a, it's really challenging to, to kind of do that whole process yourself. The platform that she's created um, really takes all of the headache of that process off your shoulders. There's a whole recruiting pipeline, all automated through growmotely.com. Go check it out. It's free to put jobs up there um, and you can go check it out. Uh, there's a link in the description. Use that link. I get a little affiliate code kickback, which is great. And if you're on the other side of that, if you're looking for work um, and you desire to create a life of freedom um, of passion, of putting your energy into something you care about. Um, that's a great place to, to start, go, go find a, a job fully remote so that you can, uh, create the life that you want to live. Um, really excited about that. And yeah, without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this podcast with Shane Hall. Shane, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Really excited about having you on the podcast. Um, you know, for those of uh, the listeners that don't know, Shane is a member of the Heart Collective, um, one of the founding members, and we'll dive um, deeper into kind of that journey. And, and I'm just so grateful for you because, um, uh, and we'll talk more about the kind of story and the genesis of the Heart Collective and, and how much energy has gone into it. Um, but when it was just an idea and I was about to launch it, I mean, you were one of the first guys to really reach out and show some interest. And for you to do that with not really knowing what it is, um, and it's really not being a thing, but really just, you know, deciding to trust and have faith and buy into the experience. Um, I just don't know if I'd, I'd be where I'm at if it wasn't for you specifically. And I'm really grateful for you. And I'm really excited to kind of talk about the journey we've been on together. Um, talk more about the Heart Collective. We just got done with our, our first retreat last weekend. I don't know when this episode is going to be live, but it was the first weekend of June. Uh, we had six former athletes come up and it absolutely blew my expectations out of the water. It was really magical. And we'll We'll dive into that as well. Um, but why don't you go ahead and, and introduce yourself a little bit and then we can kind of start talking about um, the journey uh, that we've been on. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Shane here. Uh, you know, yeah, just real quick. Uh, you know, I just want to express my gratitude too. you know, for us linking up. I reached out and I, I can't say that I would be 
where where I am today without you as well. And uh, I mean, it was really cool just, <clears throat> you know, kind of being being in there during the idea stage of that. And uh, I, I just trusted in in you to create something that that would be awesome like it is and and just glad to be on this journey with you man yeah Um, yeah, thanks brother but uh yeah so just a little bit of background of myself i i grew up in new jersey i grew up uh you know with a single mom only child uh not a not a very sports centric household but uh, but grew up in a great neighborhood and had a lot of a lot of close friends. Uh, always played sports growing up, baseball, basketball. Basketball was my love, and uh, my mom wasn't a a hands on sports enthusiast, but she was one of those parents who would provide whatever you needed. I mean, if you wanted to sign up for something or you needed new cleats, and and she was a she was a teacher, single mom, like I said, I mean, you know, and she would always prioritize, uh, you know, whatever I needed to cultivate my athletics, uh, or anything. But, um, so I grew up, uh, playing basketball really. And then some of my buddies going into freshman year of, of high school were going to football camp and, I didn't have any interest. We never watched football growing up. Uh, and, but I just needed something to do that week that they were going to be gone because they were all the people I was hanging out with. So I was like, all right, mom, can you sign me up for football camp? And she's like, really? Like, I don't know. You're going to get hurt. This, that, and the other. (laughs) She's like, all right, I will. You know? So I show up, obviously I'm like one of the, I'm my freshman year in high school, going into high school, I was, Six five two fifty five. So you know, I come. I, I show freshman up. Your high school, you were six five two fifty five. I was, yeah, oh, that summer man. before freshman year. So I go to football camp, and the coaches are like, "Whoa, like who's this kid?" You know. <laughs> so of course, I we I might have a chance of winning. We got the monster coming in. <laughs> yeah, like keep him here, lock yeah. him in the locker room. All right, he's playing football. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I didn't know any of the positions really. And my, my best friend, he, uh, he wanted to play tight end. And I was like, all right, I'm just following you around this camp. So I played tight end that, that whole camp. And finally, the last day, the coaches kind of pulled me off to the side and they were like, Hey, notice you've been enjoying playing tight end with your buddy, but you know, you're going to be, you're going to be playing a line, you know, come the season. And I was like, all right, that's fine. You know, <laughs> I'm just excited to be here. Um, mm. So that was kind of fun. Just, just, you know, starting that new thing with my buddies going into high school and, uh, and then just quickly in high school, you know, things, things really started going well for me, uh, you know, on the field. Um, and, you know, after four years, well, I broke my ankle my junior year. So, that really hurt my, uh, my recruiting going into college. So, uh, you know, I just kept after it and, and, and worked hard and, uh, coach Holtz got hired at South Carolina and in 1999 and, uh, you know, they started recruiting me, came on a visit, you know, I, I went on some other visits, but just fell in love with, 
really it just had a family atmosphere and coach Holtz, like, you know, I just had a lot of trust in him, you know, with his, his career. Uh, so, so with that, I, I, I committed and played at South Carolina. Uh, my, my dad's family was from South Carolina. Uh, my grandmother grew up in South Carolina and both my grandparents went to South Carolina. So there was, there was some tie there as well. Um, and then after, uh, you know, played four years in college, had a, had a good run there. And, uh, you know, some of the best friends in my life to this day, you know, come from those teams and we still, we still communicate all the time, almost daily. Um, and, uh, uh, a- after college, I, I signed free agent with Seattle. Uh, I had a two-year contract. Uh, my first year there, I was really exciting uh, until I dislocated my kneecap and uh, really spent that first year on on IR, rehabbing it, had surgery. And, uh, you know, the rehab and, and healing just just didn't go well. Uh, you know, I tore some some muscle around the kneecap that really didn't allow it to, to stabilize and, and fully heal. So, uh, you know, that was really what, what they deemed a career ending injury. And, um, so, uh, after that I was kind of just pushed out into the world and, uh, you know, put on this journey, journey after football. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, man. I, I find it fascinating how, how connected you still are to all of your, your friends, um, such a tight knit group from South Carolina. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, I have a few friends here and there that kind of keep in touch with, but for you to have such a, a tight knit group, um, for so long, I mean, it's really, quite beautiful to witness. Um, what kind of impact has that, has that had on, on your life, being able to stay close with those guys? And why do you think it was like, why do you get, why do you guys, like, what was it about the experience that kept you guys so connected now to this day? That's a great question. You know, I've, I've never thought of it, but I, but I do have a good answer for that. And, and really going back to childhood, those guys in my neighborhood, they were all groomsmen in my wedding. I've been so blessed to have some tight knit groups that just stay together and create some, some beautiful community. Cause I, I'm an only child. I, I have a half brother, but then I have some cousins in the Chicago area, but, but very little family that I, that I have, like I'm not from a big family. So just having these communities of, of friends has, has, has really meant the world to me throughout my life. But then for college, when we got to South Carolina, the, the, the coach who got fired before Coach Holtz, they were 1-10 in 10 the year before in 1998. And then my freshman year, we were 0-11. And, and basically, my freshman class w- was – was kind of responsible for along with, you know, the leadership that was already in place. But, but that, that group of guys from 99 were just, we just were solidified together as a group that was going to really revamp South Carolina football. 
And I think that that journey and that goal that we were on really brought us closer together. We had to we, we had to change up a lot of things, change up the culture. And, and I think that just going through that process together really, really melded us together. And, you know, so there's, there's, you know, I keep up with probably over six, 60 guys. That, wow. Well, so what did you guys, you guys went from 0 and 11 your freshman year. Did you guys end up finding that success that you guys really came together to try and find? What, what was the end of, we did. So, uh, so, so in 2000, we won our first game of the season against New Mexico state. I mean, the, the, the stadium, the, the fans cleared the stands and <laughs> tore down the goal for New Mexico and state just cause you guys won a game. Absolutely. I mean, it was the first, because when we were one in 10, they won the first game of that year. So it was really like 21, 21 game losing streak. Yeah. So it was, and then after that, I mean, we just went on a good run. We beat Georgia that year, uh, Mississippi State, you know, a lot of a lot of good SEC teams. Um, and then we ended up playing and beating Ohio State in the Outback Bowl that year. Uh, and then the following year, again, continued success. I think we ended up nine and three that season, beating Ohio State again in the Outback Bowl. And we ended up, uh, I think we were 13th in the country after that year. Wow. So to go from one and 21 to, you know, two years later, we finished 13th in the country was, was pretty cool. Yeah. That's really special, man. And I, I could see how that really can unite a group of guys because you, you have to make a decision both internally and as a group to really step up and shift a culture. And that asks a lot of each person individually to come together collectively to show up and, and shift that whole thing. I could definitely see how that creates bonds that you really can't, you know, break down. I mean, it's really beautiful. Um, let's dive into kind of the journey. I know you've been, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about your transition and the transition in general from professional sports or being an athlete in general out into the real world. And you've been on this journey for a while and you know, what I've realized is it's not a, it's not a finite amount of time that you kind of go through and, and all of a sudden you transcend it and you're, you know, I trans, I'm a transitioning athlete and then now I'm no longer, it's something that you really need to integrate. And so you've been on this journey a while. So let's talk a little bit about when you initially got done playing. Um, if you could drop into what was that experience like, especially with this, with the career ending injury, um, was football like something that was challenging to give up or was it almost like, I, was, I gave it a try and now it's like over. What was that initial transition like having to come to terms with like, I'll never play this game that I, you know, was playing for so long? Uh, so, so for me, I'd say that was a, a two-sided coin. I think, uh, I mean, there was just the heartbreak of just getting that close, you know, being there, playing NFL, and then just to have it kind of, pulled out from under me, you know, due to injury and whatnot was, was heartbreaking, uh, you know, almost debilitating at times. Uh, and there was that, that level of, you know, you never, you never plan for your last day. Uh, well, you know, I know you, you put a little intention behind it, but you know, when you face an injury that ends things, I mean, you, you, you're, you're never planning, you know, and, and, and I just didn't plan well for what I would do after I was done playing. I was always just kind of in the moment with playing and and just kind of taking the next step. And so so that was really difficult. But then, 
I think there was, you know, just a piece of me that had a little relief to, you know, maybe relief or maybe sense of freedom to know that, you know, I can start a new chapter. Um, but I, I didn't know what that chapter would be. Uh, so, so I just kind of got, got pushed out into the world, if you will, moved back to Columbia and, uh, uh, you know, started deciding what I was going to do with my life, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, and I, I, I didn't know at that time. So there was definitely a level of floundering, um, for me. Good word floundering. Yeah. I mean, it's like kind of untethered and not really, cause when you're playing, you don't really think about it. Like they always say like, you know, the NFL stands not for long, have a backup plan, make sure you, you can't play forever, make sure you know what you're going to do. But it's so hard, you know, even for me as an athlete, like I remember being very aware of like football is something I do. It's not who I am, but it's hard to have and be, it's hard to be prepared for, for when that moment actually comes because you're so singularly focused on football and you're just so in it. And, you know, I had a very similar experience. I think a lot of, a lot of guys do is this, this inner dichotomy of, it's so challenging the game of football, like, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, like it just, it drains you in so many ways to have to show up in that way. So there is an aspect, you know, and I felt this too, of like, I cannot wait for the next adventure. I cannot wait for this freedom from this thing that had defined me for so long. Like, what is that going to be like? And it's, it's excitement for the adventure. But then there's this other side that's like, holy shit, I have no idea what I'm going to do, who I am. This identity crisis comes up and there's just a, it's a, it's a really deep sense of grief of the finality. You know, like I feel like if you play basketball or pretty like a lot of other sports, soccer, like you can go do a pickup game. You can still like play the game, be around the game physically. Football is like such a unique thing because you're never going to have that real experience of football except for those, those times you're playing. Um, so talk about that initial couple of years. What, what was it like? How did you navigate um, the finality of it? Were you kind of lost? Was it a little bit of numbing out? Did you dive right into trying something new? Like what was the experience the first few years initially? Yeah. I mean, without having a plan, uh, I mean, I, I had my degree, I majored in finance and real estate. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even put that much thought into majoring in that. I mean, there was just some interest. I was a, I was always good at math, so finance made sense. I, I just made, I just went into the business school because, you know, my dad was in business, and you know, I didn't really even know what he did all that much, but it was just, it just seemed like a good catch-all, a safe, a safe bet. So, uh, you know, so I had my degree. And, uh, and I was just weighing, should I go for a graduate degree or should I go out into the workforce? And, and I weighed that for a few months and finally, uh, you know, accepted a job in finance and, uh, and worked in finance for about five years after I was done. And, and during that time also, uh, dabbling in real estate a little bit. I bought a house and, you know, doing some, some rental stuff. And, uh, but just going to the office every day, suit and tie at a computer screen for, for about five years in finance. And, uh, I just knew that wasn't the place for me. So, um, sounds miserable. It was, it, it was, you know, there's a lot of people who enjoy it, you know, nothing against it, but for me, 
it just, it just wasn't for me. Um, and I just felt like I was dying a slow death. And meanwhile, you know, I just didn't know who I was. You know, I was just, like I said, I was floundering and, you know, definitely abusing alcohol, you know, not, not no, I mean, just, just totally untethered, but not in a good way. And, uh, so for about those five years, uh, finally, I just had a breakdown, quit my job. Uh, I had, I had recently met Roxanne. Um, she was taking a job in Asheville, North Carolina. And, oh, and I had in that time when I was working in finance, I was taking some classes back for some engineering, uh, considering going into that, but, but that just never worked out. It, it, it just never came to fruition. I was just in this searching mode. And uh, so with Roxanne moving to Asheville, I just kind of, the, the market had just tanked and, you know, from the, the stock market crash, it was just a, a time for me to kind of cut ties, hop in the car with her and, and head to Asheville. So um, I would say that that was kind of the, the first big stepping stone in, in this journey that I'm on now. I mean, obviously the whole thing's part of the journey, but that was, yeah. that was kind of the first step in living with intention, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Cause you know, you, you obviously go through the first experience of leaving football, the thing that defined you for so long, and then you're trying to figure out who you are. So you kind of jump into the next thing and you realize this isn't it either. So talk a little bit, leaving that behind and kind of feeling untethered. Maybe, you know, you're in, some, some bad habits, trying to numb out with alcohol, like you talked about. What was the journey like from that point of, of self-discovery of really trying to figure out who you are on that deeper level? Uh, I mean, it was, it was, there were some low, low lows during that time. And, and I think that it was just at this point where, I mean, I, I, something had to give. I mean, and if I continued down the path I was going, I mean, I, I don't know how long I'd, I'd be alive to be honest with you. I mean, it was almost a forced, I mean, I was at a fork in the road and, uh, you know, one of the things with football, it's, it's obviously extremely difficult on the body and mentally, uh, you know, discipline, but you're, you always know what you have to do. I mean, you've got a schedule, you, you, you know, everything you're doing is basically for the goal of, of winning and helping the team, you know? So once you get out of football, you're kind of left without, you know, all those guiding lights that you've been following this whole time. So, you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, it took me five years of, of that to just realize that, I've got to make some, some serious big boy decisions here. And, mm -hmm. and, and I'm so thankful that, that I was able to have that clarity. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know where it came from, Joe, but I'm, I'm just, yeah, thankful for it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, it's, it's, it's almost a, a whisper deep within us and, you know, we have a choice to kind of listen to it. And I think one of those decisions we've kind of talked about, and I'd love to, to kind of talk about your journey of, of giving up alcohol um, realizing and having the awareness that this is something that's unhealthy uh, for you personally, not necessarily, you know, drinking in general, but when you have the self-reflection of, is this right for me? 
So let's talk a little bit about the the journey. I think you said you've given up alcohol five or six years ago. Talk about when you initially made that decision and the challenges. Cause I think, you know, I've, I've danced with alcohol, um, a lot and, you know, just in our society and our culture, like alcohol is such a, a normal thing. I think, you know, it's normal to go to a weekend socially, have a few drinks and like, you know, having like going out and drinking two or three nights a week is like socially normal. And I just on the body and mentally, like, I just don't know if that's actually really that healthy. And, you know, I've kind of confronted my own story of, of going and, and, you know, being the life of the party and then going out with my friends and really trying to reel in that, that my own journey with alcohol and then even going up and telling people like, Oh, I'm not going to drink tonight, tonight, or I'm not going to drink today. And like just the, the weird energy that that creates and the judgment. And, you know, so talk a little bit about your journey initially when you decided to give up alcohol, the challenges that that faced, and then the growth that it led to and how, uh, how much of an impact giving that thing up has really had on your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so drinking alcohol for me, it started in high school, obviously heavy in college. Uh, but for me, alcohol initially was, I was, I was always slightly introverted, um, growing up. And I think part of that had to do with maybe not really knowing myself very well. So there was, there was almost this hiding a little bit. So so alcohol gave me the fuel to be more extroverted socially. Yep. So, so, so I was, I was always, you know, the life of the party, you know, very social, always having a great time, obviously, you know, plenty of, plenty of uh, rough stories to go along with that <laughs> as well. But it was, you know, it was all fun and, you know, everyone's having a good time, but then it was, it was kind of a shift after I was done playing from, oh, we're just all, you know, partying, having a good time to, you know, I started using it more as a crutch to, to numb my feelings. So, you know, in that 2003, 2004 was, was probably when I started using it as a crutch. And, uh, you know, even after 2008, when I, you know, moved to Asheville, you know, I, I still wasn't out of the woods. I was, I was still, uh, self-medicating and, but I had, uh, you know, I was getting married and started having kids and, and I started to realize that now these nights when I was drinking too much, they were having a bigger effect on my overall life. But then also I had other people under my roof that I was responsible for and were, you know, tied to my emotions. So I, I I finally in 2015, uh, you know, just had reached a breaking point. I saw, I saw how many good things I had going on in my life, yet I was still just being self-destructive and creating a mess in my life from this that was just completely unnecessary because I had so much else, you know, good going on. And uh, so so I decided to give it up. Um, I guess it was it was around Labor Day and and I tried and and I, I had given it up a few months and then then I had gone to Europe, uh, you know, with some family. Uh, with my family and my wife's family and 
you know, just just couldn't turn away the the German beer and the the French wine. Uh, so so I, I kind of partaked for 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 a couple weeks there, but then just getting home, I knew that the decision I had made a few months previous was the right decision. And uh, so New Year's that year, I I uh, I gave it up and. It was it was so hard. I mean, I I had such an identity in it. Uh, I, I think so many other people identified me with it. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of friends didn't. I don't know that they knew quite how to handle it. Not not in a bad way, but just you know. I mean, if you're used to one thing, I mean, changes are are always difficult. You know, so there was there was probably a good year there where. I didn't hardly see anyone, you know, because most of the social interactions and it was just, just kind of weird. It was me navigating that story. You know, how do I deliver that story to other people? What was my story around it? Um, and really just finding comfort and, and contentment in that decision. Uh, but I would say after a year, I started getting more comfortable with that and really feeling empowered by that decision. Um, and, and, and now five and a half years later, uh, you know, with, without question, it's, it's the best decision I've made in my life just because of how it was affecting my life. Like you were saying, I, I don't, I don't have anything wrong with alcohol or other people's relationships with alcohol, but for me, uh, it was just something I had to do. And, uh, and I've seen such a, just a great impact with my relationship with my wife, my kids, and, uh, you know, the way I handle my business and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah it's beautiful too. Cause it's, it's that internal, internal story and the energy that you have. So it's hard when you first make that decision, cause you got to really understand like, why am I doing this? And then you can get to a point where if you show up in a social situation, and you're just like, no, I'm, I don't, I don't drink. And that's it. Like it's, you're just empowered in that decision rather than being like, ah, oh, like, I'm, I don't, like, I don't know, like, should I drink? And you're having this internal dialogue within yourself of like, what are they going to think of me? And then that's when the peer pressure gets in. Like, I'm going to have a drink just because I don't want to feel like weird about it. But if you show up with that clean energy of, yeah, no, I'm not drinking. It's my decision. Like, and nobody questions it. And then you're able to show up and have fun and, and show people that you are still, you know, able to, have conversations and be, you know, quote unquote, life of the party still and be involved in those social situations without having to drink. It, there's something that really beautiful when you get to that point and it actually starts radiating off of you into other people as well. So rather than feeling almost judged by other people, they start almost looking at you almost inspired themselves of like, wait, why, why am I drinking so much? And it's, it forces them to kind of question their own story. And it really comes back to that internal energy that you're bringing to it. And you get to that point. I think it's really beautiful. That's, that's, you you totally hit the nail on the head with that, with that energy you bring to it. And that's, I can see that, that evolution of it in that where I now have just as good of a time, if not better than most of the people when we go doing, you know, even if we go on a guy's weekend or whatever, and now I'm getting invited more and more to those things because I do have a great time and I enjoy hanging out with everyone and I'm not judgmental about your consumption and I'll be the DD and, 
you know, I'll stay out as long as you want kind of thing. And uh, so it is it is fun to, you know, be that that person in the group, you know, in those situations to be able to bring a positive energy to that to not drinking, because I think so much it's it's such a fearful place to think about, you know, how, how could you ever not drink, you know, but then for me to be able to, you know, be an example of someone who doesn't, but still has a good time, you know, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's good for, for people to see, you know, because yeah, I never saw that, you know, like I, no. there was, there was never that example for me. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, I respect it a lot and I, I really appreciate you sharing. Let's dive into the journey leading up to joining the heart collective. What was the, um, what was kind of the desire, the intention of, you know, hearing about the heart collective. I know we've talked a little bit about this, you know, behind the scenes of, of kind of that desire of, of kind of dropping in and, and bringing in community to connect with and then reaching out to me hearing about the heart collective, talk about that initial journey of, of, of when you heard about the heart collective, what you thought of it, maybe some own your own internal resistances, the need to kind of reach out, uh, what was going on in your life at that point? And then we can kind of dive into the journey that we went, we've been on. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was right at the beginning of, uh, you know, COVID last year when, uh, you know, and we had kind of chatted about this recently, but, you know, I can be, I can be a deep thinker and, you know, maybe a little bit of an outside the box thinker. And, uh, you know, there was just a level of Roxanne. I had, I had, I, I wasn't very intentional with my relationships in my life at that point and just did not have a lot of, you know, close connections to, to men. And, um, you know, we'd always just do stuff with friends locally, but, but never people that were like my people and, uh, you know, like-minded people. And so, so during COVID there, right at the beginning, you know, Roxanne's like, or the beginning of that year, she's like, listen, like you, you need to start, you know, having these conversations with, with some guy friends, because, you know, it's, it's great. I enjoy it, but you know, it's, it's just a lot right now, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of all the time. And so, so anyway, I, uh, I had read, uh, read your story. I think it was men's health. And, uh, you know, there's just so much about your story that resonated with me. And I just kind of took that opportunity. I just reached out to you and was like, Hey man, like, I like what you got going on you know, and I don't know, just, Hey, you know, appreciate you kind of thing. And we just, uh, I don't know, we just kept in contact. And, uh, and so, so my commonalities with your story, you know, are what kind of led me to reach out to you and then your dialogue about what you had going on with the heart collective. And I mean, it was just all these stars aligning with this, you know, being intentional about relationships, you know, that I cultivate, you know, with, with like-minded men. And I mean, it just couldn't be, be any perfect. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm buddies with a, a group of guys now that all used to play high level sports and also, you know, have, have similar 
thoughts and dreams and desires that I do. You know, I see your yoga, you know, and stuff when I was reading about it. And it's like, I've always enjoyed doing yoga and hiking and, you know, just wellness type stuff, but not to the level of, of what the community has provided. So, you know, just my relationship with you and the community has really upped my, uh, you know, my wellness practice and, and intentionally just, just taking care of myself. And I don't know, it's just been beautiful to see, you know, how all these pieces just kind of start, start aligning, you know, in front of, in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I know I said it, but I'll say it again. I'm just so grateful for you because, you know, when I first had the idea of creating this community, it was, it was a very similar thing. Like I, you know, I started, on my own path of, of healing. And, and, you know, when, when you leave something like football is such a pinnacle experience. I know we just talked about this. You're faced with these kind of existential questions of, of, of who am I, who am I in relation to the world without this thing that has defined me for so long? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Who actually understands me? And, you know, we talked about the identity with alcoholism or just drinking alcohol, like, you know, not only your identity with it, but other people's perception of you. And for me, it was a very similar thing. And I think a lot of athletes face this is like, the world sees me as a football player. My parents saw me as a football player. My friends saw me as a football player. And there's always this part of me of like, I want to know, I want to be known for something other than just being a football player. Cause as soon as you tell someone you play football, like their whole demeanor changes, it's like they have a story that they create around who you are. And so going on my own journey of self-discovery and healing and realizing I really miss that connection to like that locker room. I think everybody, every athlete I talked to is like, what do you miss the most? It's like the locker room and being able to connect with guys in that way, but not in the like superficial, like kind of, you know, traditional locker room stuff, but being able to talk football on a deeper level and like the journey and the lessons that it's provided and the challenges and the adversity and all of that stuff that goes into it that we kind of just brush off to the side and realizing on my own journey that there's nothing really like this for the former athlete community. And I realized that's, that's what I deeply desired. And so when I had the idea of creating it, there was so much resistance within myself, so much fear of stepping up because I didn't know if it would be received. And so I'm just so grateful that, you know, you Hunter Garrett, these guys that, you know, Mike, they, they all really took a leap of faith and decided to, to join this thing and kind of cultivated this, this founding membership and, I'm just so grateful that you've been on this journey with me and you've bought in so much because, you know, I, it's just kind of like coming through me. I didn't really know how to, how to bring it together. And just, it's really been so much more profound than I could have even imagined. Um, so talk a little bit about like the initial thoughts of what the community was like, maybe any, any of your own fears or resistance into joining maybe like the idea. Cause I know a lot of athletes I talk to, it's like, even the idea of vulnerability or you share the word vulnerable and, you know, automatically we have this internal resistance in these walls. Like, I don't know what that even means. Like, what are we going to be talking about? So talk about an initial kind of resistance if you faced any, and then kind of how the journeys evolved um, for you when, you know, getting involved in the community and the kind of impact it's had. I would say in the beginning there, uh, I knew I wanted to be a part, but there was that, there was kind of that nervous energy that, uh, that apprehension. It's, it's, it's kind of like going on to a new team. You know, it's like, you don't know how you're going to kind of compare to other people or, you know, am I going to be, you know, and you don't know how everything's going to mesh, but you just got to have a little faith and just kind of take that step and 
walk through the lot, walk through the locker room doors and, you know, just, just, just be a part of the team. And, and I just knew that, that this group was going to be something special. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I, but I knew it was things that I needed, you know, to continue my journey. Uh, you know, that, that camaraderie with guys, but then also, you know, it's, it's fun talk about football and, you know, the good times, but it's also a beautiful thing for us to be able to talk about the low times or the the times when we were scared or nervous or felt like an imposter or, you know, so to be able to talk about things that maybe I've never talked about with other high level athletes, you know, it seems like everyone, like when we get together with college buddies, it's like, you're always talking about the time when you ran someone over or someone had a this or that, or maybe you're busting on someone else for missing a block, but, but never really those, those deeper, those deeper, the stories like what, you know, the transition, you know, after football and finding yourself and all, all these things that are, are where life really is, you know, versus just the good times. And uh, so to be able to, to do that with with guys and kind of see their guard come down a little bit and be vulnerable for me to be able to be vulnerable you know it's just such a reciprocal thing in the community that when someone else is a little vulnerable it gives you the permission to be vulnerable and you feel so much more comfortable and then next thing you know you feel much better and your life you know just has a little more flow to it and you you understand yourself a little more and you know, it's just this snowball effect of once you start letting that guard down, you know, things just just start getting in place a little more. You start, yeah. So uh, it's 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 really been awesome to see how this group has evolved. I I really didn't imagine it to be as it is now, uh, but I'm very grateful. I I definitely enjoy pouring into the community. Uh, you know, it's kind of a two faceted thing. I mean, there's a little part of it that's just selfishly doing it, you know, reading the book of the month or replying to journal prompts or, you know, just being on the calls and everything. But then there's also a part of me that feels a level of responsibility to the group, you know, much like a team in football. Like my my biggest fear in football is letting my teammates down and letting my offensive lineman down or letting the quarterback down if I give up a sack or whatever, you know, so I, I kind of feel that level of responsibility with the group as well, you know, to where, Hey, I'm, I'm going to show up as much as I can. And, um, I kind of hope y'all do too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that's one of the things that most guys, it's kind of this unconscious below, like behind the scenes kind of thing that you deal with, when you're finally done playing football or any team sport is you spent your entire life pursuing a common goal, but it was something greater than the self individually. You showed up for the team. And when you're done playing all of a sudden that, that need to show up for something greater than yourself is kind of, it's kind of gone, right? Like you said, the challenge is like, I knew what I had to do. I had to show up, work hard. I was, I know what my goal was and I did it for something greater than myself. And when, you're navigating that transition, all of a sudden that thing that's greater than itself, you have to kind of take ownership, find your routine. But the thing that's really missing, I believe is the community because there's this sense of 
of almost accountability that you're used to as an athlete showing up like on time, showing up in shape, knowing that you don't want to let your teammates down. And there's something beautiful when you have a community of athletes who have that type of mindset and it's really focused on becoming the best version of yourself, you know, and you're trying, it's just so much easier to show up in that way when you feel supported by a group, even if they're not, it's not like they're like keeping you accountable. Like, Hey, like, did you do this thing? But it's almost like a self accountability because you want to show up and be the best version of yourself. Cause you see others doing the same. And it, it makes it so much more uh, accessible and, and easier to navigate when you feel connected to community. And I believe that's the beautiful part about what we're building here. And like you said, like, you know, for me, like building an online community, especially like in early parts of COVID was it, it actually was able to cultivate better than I thought. Like we do weekly zoom calls, we call them heart to heart calls, you know, and it's really just about the safety of being able to show up and express how you feel in the moment and connecting with that. And the more you can do that, the more open you are, the more you can release and the more you feel more comfortable and you can bring that out into your daily life. But the real impact for me, and like, I think what's really solidified this community is connecting and meeting in person. So we just got done with our first you know, in-person retreat. And it was just absolutely magical. I think one of the things that I wasn't really expecting is the, is the, the fact that we were able to sit down and talk football. It almost had this locker room feel where we we're kind of talking old time stories, shooting the shit, but talking about the challenges and, and realizing every single athlete has a story of some kind of challenge and adversity that they had to navigate through. And that's the reason like those lessons are what have created us and, and made us who we are. Right. And they've shaped us into these incredibly resilient humans who have the ability to overcome so much, you know, of our limiting beliefs, fear, how to handle failure, all these things. And so it was really cool to connect with everybody in that way. And even for me, when I, I've been on all these, you know, podcasts and I've shared my story so many times and I kind of got it down and I just talk about the challenges. But when we opened that first circle on Thursday and we kind of just shared our own journey through our football career and like what we did through the transition, I found myself being able to open up and drop deeper into the experience. Cause I knew that everybody that was listening was not only super engaged and present with my story, but they understood on a different level. Like most people cannot hold space for the experience of what a professional athlete has to go to, to reach the level of success they've found, no matter what level that is, even going through college and just the, football just provides so many lessons. And so for me to know that I was in a circle of guys that really understand every single thing that was coming out of my mouth, they understand at a visceral level. And so I was able to drop in and me being able to drop in and share from that place was so, so much more healing than I anticipated. And then obviously we were able to drop into kind of the, the deeper stories of, of the challenges we're facing in everyday life, not just football and just being able to connect with other men and the safety of it and the presence and being able to put the phone aside and unplug from the busyness of our lives and reconnect with nature. So talk about, you know, the ongoing community online, but then the impact that the retreat has had on your life and that experience maybe leading up to it. And then maybe any kind of resistance or fears or, you know, the uncomfortable, like what's going to, what are we going to do? And then dropping into it and kind of how the experience unfolded for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember, you know, just this kind of nervous energy and, and, you know, I've done enough work and healing to where, I don't really get that uncomfortable going into situations. Uh, you know, I may have a little nervous energy, but I did have a little nervous energy when we were going. But then I just realized that everyone's going to have that. I mean, we're all kind of getting together in a you know place out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, and uh, so it was 
it was such a good, like nervous energy, like this, this is going to be special. And, and yes, I remember that, that's that circle that where we were chatting and just thinking to myself, this is the first time that I've sat down with this type of group and been able to talk about these types of things. Uh, you know, because I may talk about struggles or, you know, the highs and lows of football with someone who may not have much experience with football, but maybe like a therapist, let's say. And you can talk about those things, but they don't resonate with that. They, they can't put themselves in that situation. Or even if you're just talking about stuff with, you know, some buddies who maybe didn't play football, uh, you know, it's almost this, you're, you're, you're trying to paint the picture of what it was like to be that level of athlete versus truly connecting on a, on a common level of the experience and to be able to drop down into the, the level of conversation we had. It's like, again, we weren't just talking about, Hey, when we ran so-and-so over, it's like, we're talking about, you know, the struggles of the retirement or injuries, you know, it's like, you, you got an injury, the amount, everyone thinks that like, Oh, you know, someone just common person watching a game. It's like, Oh, they're injured. They're collecting a paycheck, like good for them, you know, but it's like, no, like that's like devastating because you, you may lose your job. You may, you're, you feel like you're letting your teammates down because you're not out there providing. You're just standing there. You just don't feel like you're part of the team. You're in the training room, the weight room, whatever. But, but there's just something about being there and putting your hand down on the ground with your guys, you know? So just navigating some of those conversations was, was really impactful and very, very beneficial to this healing journey that I feel like we're all on. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. I was, I was, I was blown away. I, it definitely exceeded my expectations, the level of, the level of openness we all had together and the connection. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I totally agree. If you were to share kind of the experience with somebody, maybe another athlete, what would you, what would you tell them? Um, and what was kind of your favorite part of the experience that you've kind of taken with you? I mean, every experience was, was amazing from the hiking to the cold plunges, to the breath work, to the yoga, you know, one of the, one of the moments that when we were all doing yoga one morning and Mike was leading the yoga and there was that, you know, we, we were all just vibing to, to a song there. And I don't know, it was, it was maybe the first time since I was done playing that, you know, I just felt that collective energy, like almost like, you know, kind of ready to go to battle with the guys, you know, and there was just this connection when we were, we were all doing the yoga with the music and I don't know. Uh, so that was, that was probably the most memorable moment. Um, but, but then, you know, in a bigger picture, you know, just, just being there all together in a house, you're, sleeping in beds, getting up, you know, passing each other, going to the bathroom, meeting for a cup of coffee, you know, just that, that brotherly connection to, 
you know, just just being there and holding space for one another and getting to know each other. And uh, that, that was really special as well. So, the, you know, the, the overall with, with just being together in a house and waking up in your boxers and, you know, just, 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 you know, it was like old times. So. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it just flowed so smoothly and it was really beautiful. Like after reflecting on the weekend and, and, you know, just the power of it and like, you know, just trying to kind of look at it and see, you know, why was it so powerful? And there's like so many different layers and levels, right? I think one of them is just, you know, as men, usually even, I mean, anybody really going through life, like we get so busy, we have our schedules, we need to like be on time. And, you know, that's another thing when we used to play, it was like all the schedule was created for us. All we had to do was show up. And so for the schedule to be kind of created, nobody ever had to ask like, Hey, when's this thing? What are we doing? checking my clock to make sure I'm on time. It was just like, we were able to surrender into the experience fully. And there's a, there's a level of like presence that is created rather than kind of worrying about, you know, the future being on time or what what's next. It's like, Hey, we just get to be here with each other and allow it to flow. I thought that was a really beautiful thing. And then just the energy of everybody being able to drop in. I thought it was really cool. There's, there was seven of us total and just um, everybody was just, the conversations flowed so smoothly. Everybody participated. Everybody kind of dropped in. Everybody felt safe. And I think that energy that cultivated is just so expansive. And then, you know, bringing that, that, that healing energy feeling so connected into our everyday life, you know, talk about, you know, the community, the experience, the retreat, how it's not only impacted, you know, your life, but how it's kind of impacted your environment, your family, your kids, you know, your friends, like this, having this community to plug into, recharge, and really learn to uncover the deeper parts of yourself and feeling comfortable enough to bring those parts out into your, your normal life too. And how healing that is not only for yourself, but for the people that you come in contact, contact with throughout the day. I would say, uh, so three years ago, three and a half years ago, my, my dad passed away. And I was having some serious health conditions. I thought I was having a heart attack one night and called my doctor, had to be rushed to the hospital. And in the hospital thought I was having a heart attack, but it, it went, so they gave me nitroglycerin. And, and what it ended up being was inflammation of the bag around my heart. And it, the symptoms of that is what basically it creates you to feel like you're having a heart attack. And uh, so that, is when you know another big step in my healing journey with going on with that my dad passing away and you know I was on all kinds of medication I was eating like crap I wasn't drinking at the time but it was almost like I was you know filling that void a little bit with you know overeating and you know eating junk food and stuff and you know a lot of stress and uh, so the, the physical and mental and emotional healing journey, you know, really took a, a step or two up there for me. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was on all kinds of medication and, you know, just, just navigating that. And, and my temper was through the roof. I mean, I would explode with, with, you know, at the drop of a hat. Um, but that's really when I, I, you know, started to be more serious about a, a yoga practice, a meditation practice, 
speaking with a therapist, um, exercising, and then, you know, which then I feel like prepared me to, to just be more vulnerable and put myself out there and then, you know, continue that journey with this group, the Heart Collective. And I, I don't know that people don't tell me all the time, but my relationship with my wife, it has never been better. Um, my relationship with my kids has never been better. My relationship with uh, employees has never been better uh, and friends. And I just feel like there's so much more of the good of shame showing up versus you know, some of the, the uncontrollables I once had. And, uh, you know, I just got to imagine that. I mean, I can just see if you have a better relationship with someone that they get something out of that as well. You know, so if Roxanne and I just have this prospering relationship, like she's getting something out of that as well. And it's a reciprocal thing. And, uh, same thing with friends, business, family, my relationship with my mom and in-laws is, is much better. Um, just, just all the relationships in my life, I feel like I'm showing up in a much better version of myself, a much truer version of myself. Like that, I don't consider that to be me, like my temper or bad habits or things like that. I feel like all that stuff was getting in the way of being able to fully show up in an authentic way and, and to shed a lot of that baggage, a lot of that weight, the masks, the, the, you know, all the stuff to kind of hide behind. And I, I know when I come in contact with someone who has gone through a similar journey and I just, I, I know how they make me feel and how they impact my life, you know, with, you included in that. I mean, it's like, I, I know when, when I'm having a conversation with you or hanging out with you, it impacts my life. So I, I just got to imagine that it positively impacts other people as well. Yeah, no doubt, man. You've been on such a, a beautiful journey and it, it does come down to the, the ultimate relationship, which is the relation relationship with ourselves. Right. And how do we expect someone else to really know us, see us, love us. If we don't even know ourselves, if we don't love ourselves, if we don't step up and continue to reach for the higher versions of ourselves and expressing those, but it doesn't just happen, right? You have to have an awareness and a discipline and a desire to understand the deeper parts of who you are, allow, allow those things to shine and, and have an awareness of the things that are keeping that part of you from shining. And a lot of times it's these different experiences we've had that we have to, you know, heal through and let go of. And to, in order to do that, I think a real powerful part of my journey, I know, and it seems like your journey is having a community of guys that you feel safe enough to express how you're really feeling. Cause then it take it, it takes the power of it away, right? It, it allows it, the more you're able to talk about these things rather than holding it in and suppressing it, which is then it kind of comes out in unhealthy ways. If you can, find a safe container to express it where, you know, everybody's going to just hold space and not take it on. 
it almost releases it from you. And, and the more you can do that, you become more free, you become more present, you become more loving, removing these masks and being able to handle the habits and knowing and having an understanding of like when I show up and do yoga or meditate or journal, I feel better. So why don't I just do more of that? And so it's creating these practices and it's just, it's really beautiful. And I really appreciate you kind of being so vulnerable and open and sharing your journey. And I'm just like, again, I'm so deeply grateful for you showing up. Um, final question, I guess, or insight is maybe there's an athlete, former athlete, maybe it doesn't have to be an athlete, but you know, just someone listening to this, let's say it's an athlete, let's say there's an athlete listening to this that might be, you know, in the weeds of, of, of the challenges we were talking about. Maybe they're trying to figure out who they are. They're navigating life. What is um, some words of wisdom, insights, experience shares that you would offer to them um, to help them on their journey? Maybe something that's helped you. Just trust, like trust in yourself. Trust that you know deep down what's right for yourself and, and know, you know, where you're at and what you need and, um, trust that a community, a safe place like this will be a home for you to heal and to uncover, you know, the best, parts of you and the best version of yourself. And it's a community just like the locker room, but it's part of this healing journey for everyone and this transition and to not feel like you have to go at it by yourself, you know, and, and that's the thing. We've always been a part of a team. We've always been successful as a team. Why not, continue that pattern of success and join a team that is committed to your, you know, providing you with the resources needed to, you know, just live a, live a good life. Yeah. Mm, beautifully said, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Shane, and uh, really, really grateful for you. And I'm really excited about the journey that we're on and the co-creation of this community together and continuing to build it out and providing this, this space and this container for guys to really show up and, and do the work on themselves and feel connected to something greater than themselves once again. And um, yeah, I couldn't be more happy. And I'm so stoked that, uh, that you're on this journey with me, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, it's been uh, it's been an awesome ride and it's just getting going, you know, like I can't wait. I mean, we, we've been doing this for, half a year, less than a year. And I can't wait to see a year from now, five years from now. I mean, what we're doing, how, how deep this, this gets and how tight knit. And yeah, I think it's, it's just only getting going. So I'm, yes, I love I'm it. Just excited. I'm super thankful for, for you, you know, putting this together and really just the person you are, you know? Thanks, brother. Yeah, truly just getting started. I'm super stoked as well. If you uh, are interested in learning more about the Heart Collective, you can go to theheartcollective.com. It's H-A-R-T, 
theheartcollective.com. We also offer masterclasses um, for both athletes and non-athletes. So if you're not an athlete and you're looking for some kind of educational content, we have a bunch of thought leaders, experts, coaches constantly doing a couple times a month, these webinars, you can uh, join those. If you are an athlete, you can reach out to me directly or check out theheartcollective.com. Would love to share more about the vision and get you involved if it's something you feel called to. Um, Shane, where can people find you or reach out to you if they want to kind of maybe dive deeper into uh, connecting with you? Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a website, paulhandcrafted.com, as well as uh, an Instagram, which I'm not on there much, uh, at paulhandcrafted. And then uh, paulhandcrafted at gmail.com is an email. That's, that's probably the best way to get in contact with me, really. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys for uh, showing up, for listening. Thank you, Shane, again. And uh, yeah, till next time, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you got a lot out of that podcast. I know I did. Shane has become a really good friend of mine, really integral part of the community that we're building. It is definitely a co-creation. If it's something you're interested in, go to theheartcollective.com. There's more information there. Reach out to me directly. I would love to get in contact with you and support you in any way that I can. Uh, We got a bunch of retreat experiences coming out. Um, all that stuff. If you really want to support this podcast, please leave a five-star review, rate the podcast. And if it resonated with you, share it with a friend. Maybe there's a former athlete out there that you know might be struggling, might need some community. Share this episode with them. Uh, it goes a long way in helping grow the audience and really bring this, uh, this vision to life uh, and reach as many people as possible. I love you all. Thank you guys so much for all the support. And until next time, peace.